and welcome to New Hope. This is a part of worship where we get to continue worshiping through our finances and through our um, tithes and offerings to our Lord. And we get to do that and, and prepare our hearts for that because this is where we get to honor God with the jobs that he's given us, the resources he's given us. And, and it's, just, it's just one small way of just returning some honor to him. So as we prepare our hearts for that, I'd like to share that tomorrow is Veterans Day. And we should take a moment and say thank you to all the vets that we have and appreciate um, the sacrifices they had. I remember as a child, my dad was in the Navy and they deployed for six months to a year at a time and, and not having him around for those times. And I was during the time of the Vietnam War and he would be gone for that as well. And you know, you do miss your dad. My wife, the same kind of story. She remembers her father being gone for months or years at a time and he'd get letters back from wherever they were at, but they would be edited. She would have a letter with holes in it because there would be a description of something or a mention of a location and the letter would be cut out. And it's just the kind of sacrifices that the veterans had to go through. Um, just on the family side of it. But the other thing that the um, our tithes and offerings do, it helps us to streamline and have a live feed that goes around the world. And the active service people now, they can see what's happening in Hilo at the church and get a glimpse of what's happening week to week by see, seeing what's happening at home. And that's a benefit of having a live stream and I thank you for your tithes and offerings that help produce that to happen. But uh, let's pray over the offering. Lord, I just thank you for this time. I thank you that you touch our hearts to return and to honor you, to, to love you, Lord. And I just ask that you just use this to further your kingdom, to help the local church to reach out into the community uh, in our state and around the world, just to proclaim the good news of your gospel of your word that's alive and active each and every day. And Lord, we just love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay. We also have a video by one of our own veterans from our church. So please join, join us as we watch. Hello. Uh, my name is Alan. I was in the Army and I served from 1974 to 2014. Much of the time was uh, as a reservist, but that also offered uh, active duty time. Throughout my career, I have gone also forward to Iraq. When I came back during that time, um, I also found out that I had PTSD. I have come to overcome or cope with the symptoms of PTSD, but with that, I find that I have a lot more healing within when I'm able to help other veterans receive compensation and recognition for their service. I was not a Christian when I went in. Prior to that, I was a Buddhist, but coming to the church here, I found that it's really helped me to become who I am and being able to reach out and touch people and bring them to the Lord. Because I've gone through the struggle, I can, I can identify, I can see people out in the crowd 
that needs the Lord and from there I'm gravitated to them and when I gravitate to them I really be become who I am is really sharing helping people and they pick up on that and a lot of times veterans will not talk about the issues that they have but by being able to be myself and putting out that grace which the Lord provides people open up and they've come to me and I've helped a lot of veterans and one particular within about six months ago he was living in his vehicle for 15 years and I helped him to get to 100% and now he's a productive person back in the community and he's happy and he's no longer living in a car and that's that I think is awesome and the Lord laid that in front of me. That's what it's about, you know, bringing everybody together, especially now with all this chaos that's in the world, right? Now, if everybody can spread the grace that, uh, you know, the religion brings out, Christianity brings out, this place will be so much better place for everyone now. Well, I'd like to say thank you for this opportunity to share here. And I'd like to thank all the veterans and the active duty and uh, reserve soldiers that are out there now. Because it is a demanding job, but without you, we wouldn't have the peace that we have right now. And thank you all, and happy Veterans Day. Alan, thank you so much for your testimony. And, you know, right before we get started, I just want to ask if you have served in our armed forces, if you're currently serving, would you stand right now so that we can just applaud you and thank you for your service? You can stand up. Yeah, we want to, we want to thank you. Yeah. We thank you and your families. Yeah. You know what's so great about Alan is that he got to share how his story, his struggle, helped him reach out to others, and he became a witness for Jesus to other vets. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're continuing our series called God's Mission for Us, and we're going to talk about how we are called to be witnesses. Now, a witness is defined as, or the, the word witness is, to, is defined as to see, hear, or know by personal presence and perception. And what I love about it is that there's a difference between witness and a storyteller. And to kind of illustrate this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need your participation on something. So for the next two minutes, what I want you to do is uh, find somebody next to you. Uh, it can be someone that you're comfortable with. If you're bold and courageous, you can go find somebody that you don't know. And for the next two minutes, here's what I want you to do. You cannot give the title or the name, but I want you to share what is your favorite movie or your favorite book or your favorite television show. Okay, ready? Two minutes, go now. You're probably going, what, we can talk in church? Yeah, we talk to, today we get to talk in church. <laughs> hey, only two minutes, so yeah. <laughs> Just saying. Okay, in fact, you know what, we're going to drop it to one minute. Because some of you are like, I cannot talk for one minute. And some of you are like, I can talk for more than one minute. You know who you are. But yeah, share that. And if... Share with somebody, what is your favorite movie, TV show, book? But you cannot say the title. You cannot say the name. Yeah? Hopefully it's appropriate. <laughs> okay, I can give you guys 20 more seconds. Ten seconds. 
five, four, three, two, one. Okay, okay, okay. Stop, 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 stop. Auto Porter, you still talking? Ah, didn't hear me. Okay, so I give you guys about a minute or so, and uh, some of you are like, "Oh, it's just at the best part." But but there's a reason why. So let me share with you my favorite story or my my favorite show uh, movie. So my favorite movie has to deal with a young man who has a good friend who decides to build a time machine out of a DeLorean, goes back to 1955. What movie am I talking about? Back to the Future. That's right. That's my favorite movie. Uh, but you see, there's a difference between telling stories. Some people are still telling stories. <laughs> it's, all, it's all good. <laughs> uh, but there's a difference between telling a story and being a witness. Like, for example, when I was in seventh grade, I remember one morning, my mom woke me up. It was 3 o'clock in the morning. And she comes yell, run, running into my room and she goes, Ben, the next door neighbor's house is on fire. And so I was like, what? Oh, funny mom. Nice try trying to get me up. It's like, no, for real, the next door neighbor's house is on fire. And so I get out of bed and I'm like, what? And I, I, I open the front door and I go into the porch. And sure enough, as I look to the right, our next door neighbor is engulfed in flames. There's three fire engines in front of our house. Dozens of firefighters trying to put up this horrific blaze. And what's crazy about it is that, you know, you hear stories right about adrenaline and how people are able to do amazing things when they're running on adrenaline when there's an emergency. Well, uh, my next door neighbor, their truck, uh, their, their truck was locked. The keys were inside the house, but they had to move it because if not, the truck would also catch on fire. And, you know, I see movies, like, that was a fear. And so I saw them actually lift the truck and move it. And I was like, What? And this is, I'm like 12 years old when this happens. So I'm like, what is going on? And so part of me is like, this is scary. And part of me is like, wow. And so we're, you know, I'm, I'm trying to uh, hydrate the firefighters. I'm trying to bring them water, cups of water. And they're like, oh, thank you. And, but we're busy putting on a fire. <laughs> and then, uh, and so they're, they're trying to get the fire contained. And eventually they kind of do. They kind of get the fire contained in the front. But then what I notice is that in the back, the fire starts up again. I see in the back on the bottom, there's a two-story house in the bottom. There's a fire that's starting to brew. And so me, uh, I feel, you know what, I can, go, I, can go get, I can go help. So I grab the water hose and I start making my way there. And my mom's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, there's a fire. And so I was like, what are you going to do with that rinky-dinky water hose? I was like, I don't know. I don't even know if it would reach. And so I think one of the firefighters heard me and they said, hey, you know, we'll, we'll get it, we'll get it. So they came with their bigger fire hose and put it out. See, I remember that vividly because it wasn't a story. It actually witnessed it. I was there. I experienced it. I experienced the heat of the fire. Uh, I mean, the house was totaled. And I remember that because I was there. See, there's a difference between telling stories and actually witnessing because you can tell stories. You can tell all the details. You can know all the facts. You can tell all the characters and all that. But the difference between a story and being a witness is you actually experience it. You've not only observed it, you've lived through it. When it comes to God's mission for us, he doesn't call us to be storytellers. He calls us to be witnesses. In fact, in Acts 1, verse 8, it says, 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, God calls us not to be storytellers, but to be witnesses of Jesus because people need Jesus. People don't need stories of Jesus. They need Jesus. And that's why it's important to understand that we're called to be witnesses for Jesus. But what does it mean? Like, how do we effectively witness to people who Jesus is? Well, this morning, we're going to discover three characteristics that God calls us to be as we witness Jesus to others. By looking at the life of one of Jesus' greatest witnesses in the Bible, a man by the name of Paul. Now, some of us, we might know the story of Paul, and if you don't, I'm going to kind of summarize it. His name wasn't actually Paul. His name was Saul, and he was actually a Pharisee. And back then, a Pharisee was a church, a church leader, and they believed in the law of Moses, basically the Ten Commandments plus some other things that Moses talked about. It was the way that everybody believed in God before Jesus. But here's the thing. When Jesus came, the Pharisees didn't know who Jesus was. They didn't believe that he was the son of God. And so there became a rift. There became people who believed still in the law of Moses, like the Pharisees. And there, there were those who believed that this man named Jesus was the son of God, that he came to die on the cross and rose from the dead to forgive us of our sins. That he was the Messiah, that he was the one that all of God's promises was talking about. Well, this man saw wasn't a believer of this man named Jesus. He was really uh, intent on carrying out the law of Moses. And so his job was actually to find those who were following this guy named Jesus and now telling and witnessing about who Jesus is to everybody. His job was to now find them, arrest them, and even sentence them to death. That was him. In fact, one of the Bibles actually talks about one of the first martyrs named Stephen, and Saul was there as they threw stones at Stephen. But as Saul is journeying, traveling to Damascus, a bright light shines and he falls off of his horse and he falls down and, and he looks up and he's like, and he hears a voice. And he goes, who are you? And the voice says, it is I, Jesus, the one that you are persecuting. And right there, Saul experiences Jesus. The man that he had heard stories of before, he is now witnessed. And it's because of that his life would forever be changed. He went from somebody who chased down believers to becoming a believer. And not only that, but now telling others about the one that he believed. It's because of him, it's because of him that you and I are here. And how he witnessed to the ends of the earth about who Jesus is. And that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at Paul. You see, when Paul witnesses Jesus come alive in his life, he then goes out and begins living his life, witnessing to others all about who Jesus is. And so the first thing that we can learn from Paul is this, that we got to be good witnesses. That we got to be good. And what I mean by that is that we have to be of character and integrity. We have to be of character and integrity. Why is it good to be, why is it important to be a good witness? Well, I grew up with my grandma watching Perry Mason and Matlock and later on I'd watch Law and Order, dun, dun, right? And I don't know about you, but I've never, I've never been in court and I hope that I'm never in court uh, unless it's for something good. But I don't know about you, but I've always witnessed this. When you see those kind of TV shows or all that, whoever's on trial, do you ever see them go, I hope my attorney or lawyer gets me a bad witness. 
Like, you don't see the person who's on trial, his life is in danger. You don't see him going, oh, you know what, can you grab this person because they're really bad? No, they want a good witness. Lawyers and attorneys, they don't go looking for witnesses that, have, that are not of integrity and don't have character. Why? Because it's based on their testimony that they're going to testify on your behalf. You don't want a bad testimony. You don't want a bad witness to give a bad testimony that's going to end up getting you locked up in jail or worse. And in the same way, it's who God is calling us to be. God is calling you and I to be good witnesses of character and integrity. You see, you, don't, you, you want someone who is reliable, honest, and has a foundation of integrity to be a witness for you in the court of law. And in the same way, as witnesses of Jesus, we too must aim for being witnesses of character and integrity. Titus 2, 7, 8 says it like this, In everything set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Can I tell you this? When you have character and integrity that is good, nobody can say anything about you. They can't. They can try. But when you have good, when you have good character and integrity, even when people say bad stuff about you, your character and integrity doesn't give them fruit to bear. It doesn't, it doesn't last. And you see, this is important because if we don't have character and integrity, our testimony is, is worth nothing. I remember when I was in high school, I had one of, our, uh, one of my friends uh, was going to church and, 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 and his family was, a, was Christian. And so uh, I remember one, night, one time we went over to their house and we're hanging out and his, his dad, who was also a Christian, who was also going to church, uh, called out to him. And so he went downstairs and he was talking. And so, I, and so I went downstairs to get something to drink. And as I came down, my friend and his dad are just swearing at each other. Like, and I'm standing there going, what are you guys? And they're yelling at each other. And I'm not going to joke. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I stood there and I went, you guys are Christian? You guys believe in Jesus? Because right now, the words that are coming out of your mouth, I, I, I say those things and I'm not a Christian. And can I tell you this? Even to this day, I see, I see the dad more than the son. And when I see the dad, I have a hard time letting go of that image. He's still a Christian. He still goes to church. But when I see him, it's a fight for me. It's a fight for me to go... Is he really a believer or not? Because I remember when I stood in the living room and they were just swearing at each other. You see, we can't be a good witness if we're not doing what is good. Now, I'm not saying we're going to be perfect because you and I will never be perfect. But that doesn't mean to settle for good enough. See, good enough will never be enough to witness Jesus to people. I'm flawed, just like every single person here. Everybody laughs because they go, oh, pastor, pastor. And I always tell them, don't call me pastor because trust me, I am flawed. I am a sinner just trying to become who God is calling him to be. But I can't settle for just that. Every single day is a battle to develop and build character and integrity. See, when we choose to focus on building our character and integrity on Jesus, 
it allows us credibility to be a witness of Jesus. Acts 9, 20 to 22, this is after Saul was converted, after Saul experienced Jesus. It says, at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among all those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. See, what happens is Paul experienced Jesus, his life gets changed, but people still remember Paul as Saul, the guy who was like, nope, these guys believe in Jesus, sentenced him to death. And so when they see Paul now talking about Jesus and saying that he's the son of God, they're confused. They're like, wait a minute. This is the same guy who was actually arresting us and throwing us in prison and, and condemning us to death, and now he's the very one speaking it? And I love it because it baffles their mind. But here's where it catches. This is, this is where character and integrity comes in. It says, proving that he was the Messiah. It wasn't by his speech. It wasn't by the words he was saying. It was by him actually living it out with character and integrity, that he was upfront and honest. You read, you read the Bible, you read all the, the letters that Paul wrote, he never once says, look at how great I am. He says, I was the worst of the worst. But look at what God did in me. He allowed God to build in him character and integrity that would not fail as he continued to witness to people. That's how amazing it is. That's how important it is to have good witness, as a, good, as a witness to be good. You see, witnessing Jesus was so monumentally life-changing that it not only deliberately transformed Saul into Paul, but also resurrected a foundation of character and integrity as he witnessed Jesus to the world. You see, that's what Jesus wants for us as we witness to others about who he is. Jesus wants us to witness by allowing his light to shine over all the areas of our lives, showcasing who he is to all those we encounter. That's why it's important to have character and integrity and then on, on that, build up who God is in us. In Matthew 5, 16, it says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Our character and integrity is crucial uh, last week, Sunday, uh, Katie and, and our girls, we went up to Target, and uh, we decided to eat dinner there, and then we we're going to go shopping. So we went, bought pizzas from Pizza Hut, and we sat in the cafe, and, and the cafe was busy. And so thankfully, the big table in the back was empty, so me and the girls, we went, Katie went to go shopping. And so I'm trying to get the girls settled, and I have three girls, uh, Caitlin, who is six, Brian, who is five, and Adrian, who is two. And it was just me with them. Already a miracle. And so I'm trying, to set, I'm trying to settle them down and trying to give them their pizza and all that. And, and, so, and so one thing that we do when we, go, when we go out and eat, or even when we're at home, is we always pray for our food. And we try to have the girls pray. And so Caitlin, uh, uh, she, she knows how to pray in Hawaiian. And then because she used to pray in Hawaiian, her sister Brianne learned it from her. And so we're sitting there at Target. We're sitting on the table. And, and I'm looking at them, okay, girls, we got to pray for the food, Okay. And so Caitlin starts praying in English. Brianna starts praying in, in Hawaiian. But the funniest part about it was they weren't going, dear Lord, bless the food we're about to eat. They are going, dear Lord, bless the food. <laughs> like they're yelling in Target. And I'm like, 
why are you yelling? Like, and, I'm, and, I'm, and they're making so much noise. And I'm like, girls, no, no, no. And, and as soon as I tried to quiet them, it was like the Lord quieted my heart and said, let them go. I was like, what? He's like, let them go. And I was like, well, you know what? That's so awesome because my kids, they yell all the time anyway. If, they, if I want them to yell about something, it better be praying to the Lord. So I said, go girls, go pray. And so they're like, ah, Brian, uh, Caitlin's praying in English, Brian's praying in Hawaiian, and Adrian's just like, bring Adrian. But what's so funny about it was that I realized it. Right now, my kids, my kids don't care about looking weird when it comes to praying. When they pray, they're going to pray. Let them go. Because right now, God's going to build their character and integrity. I'd rather their character and integrity be more about what God says for them than what other people think about them. And what's so cool is that there's a lady sitting on this side, and as soon as the girls go off, she kind of looks up. And I don't know what she was thinking. But I thought to myself, maybe this lady looked up, and she thought, wow, I haven't seen that in a while. I haven't seen somebody pray for their food in public for a while. And right there, my daughters were witnessing of who God is in their lives. And they're doing it good. The second characteristic that we have to develop is to be a faithful witness. Character and integrity is important, but we also have to be faithful in how we witness. And that's going to come when we're tried and tested. I remember a couple years ago, we went to a youth ministry conference in in Honolulu, and uh, it was a big conference. We were excited. And then as we were coming back home, uh, Bunny and Holy, uh, who, was in, who was actually overseeing our youth ministry at that time, uh, they decided to stay back because there was a concert happening in Oahu. Just so happened, the concert was featuring Mercy Me, which is a, which is a well-known Christian uh, group. They're the ones that sing, I can only imagine. And so they stayed back, and I was like, bro, how come nobody told me that on concert? Like, I would have stayed. Like, I love Mercy Me. And so, but we had to come back. So I remember we, we flew back uh, to Hilo. And later on that night, as they were at the concert, Holy calls me. He's like, hey, Ben, listen. And so he puts his phone up, and all I can hear is Mercy Me singing. I was like, oh, that's awesome. And I remember I, remember I was on the verge of crying because just, that's just how powerful it was. And then a couple of years later down the road, Mercy Me was actually going to be here on the Big Island in Waikoloa. And so I told Katie, we got to go. Yeah, let's go, let's go. And so a bunch of us went to Waikoloa, and, and we're, we're excited because Mercy Me was going to be there. And then what happens? Because of the weather, they had to postpone the concert. And so we're like, oh, man, you know, we want to go see them and all that. And so they actually ended up having the concert the next day. Thankfully, we stayed over. And so I remember uh, it was at the Waikoloa Marriott, and so we walk in, and, and Mercy Me comes out, and they start playing, and, and I was just in awe. And I remember... As good as it was to have Holy call me on the phone and hear it on the phone, it was far greater for me to actually see them live in person. I mean, it was so powerful. I mean, we've, I fell to my knees. I was worshiping, crying, uh, all coming out of my nose because that's how powerful it was. But you see, here's the thing. As, as much as I loved the phone call from Holy, it was nothing compared to the real thing of seeing them live. And here's what I'm trying to get with. Being a faithful witness simply means being real. See, it's not knowing of Jesus, but really knowing who Jesus is. 
See, we aren't being faithful witnesses if we're simply performing as witnesses. In fact, in the Bible, in Acts 19, it says this. It tells a story of some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits, tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of the Jesus who Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. See, here's the part that trips me out is this. When the evil spirit says, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? Because if you heard that, when these priests were going out and they're trying to invoke Jesus, they're, they're saying, in the name of the Lord Jesus that Paul preaches about, we command you. And it's crazy because how could they ever expect the evil spirit to do anything for them when it's not even the Jesus that they knew? They're talking about a whole different Jesus. They're talking about a Jesus that somebody else knows. When Jesus is saying, the evil spirits will not bow down to you because you do not know me. That's why they were over, overtaken. That's why they were overcome. Because they didn't know who Jesus was. They knew of Jesus, but they didn't know who Jesus was. You see, when, when the Spirit says, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? The evil spirit isn't questioning their identity. It was questioning their faith. It's questioning their faith. You see, Paul's faith in Jesus was known. By that time, as soon as he received Jesus, you read, the, you read Acts. He went through a lot of trials and tribulations. I mean, he had a, by this time, he had already experienced moments of being tested and tried in his faith. He had already been sharing the gospel and he'd been facing opposition. He'd been thrown into prison and he'd been receiving death threats. But with every trial and test that came his way, Paul used it not only to develop his faith, but allow it to be his faithful testimony about who Jesus is. See, you and I, whenever we face tests, that's going to be the perfect time to realize where we're at. The Bible says it like this in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. You know, a couple years ago, we were in our ELN program, and we were taking online courses, Bible courses, and one of the courses that we were taking was a, a study of the entire Bible. And it was intense. It was a really intense study, and uh, so many of us were taking, uh, some of us were taking, a few of us were taking it, and it was just a lot of, you had to Remember the books of the Bible, what it was all about, the writers and all this and that, what, what time it took place and all that. Now, can I tell you this? I was not a good student when I was in high school. Okay? Everybody, the kids were asking me, what's your favorite subject? What was your favorite subject in school? I told them, girls. That was my favorite subject in school. In recess. I was not a really good student. And so I remember, uh, we're, you know, we're doing this and all that and, and a lot of the homework stuff. I wasn't good at homework. But when it came to tests, I always had this attitude of me. I always said, when it came to tests, I would either find out if I was good or not good at a subject. 
And so I would sometimes study for a test and all that. And so when we came to the end of this, this course, this ELN course, we had to take a test. And they said it's going to be an hour long. Normal people take about an hour to two hours to, to complete this test. Uh, you're not allowed to use any notes. You're not, you know, Pastor Lynn, who was our overseer for ELN, she, she was the mediator. She was the witness to say that we weren't cheating. And so I remember she, was, she hammered it into it. She's like, you guys better not fail the test. And I started laughing. I was like, oh, we'll see. Because <laughs> I had kids already, and I was like, you know, you know, there's a lot of things taking up our time and study. And so I came to the day of the test, and Pastor Lynn goes, did you study? And I went, no. <laughs> She's like, what? I was like, and I told her, Pastor Lynn, it's either in me or it's not. And seeing that it's about the Bible, I'm hoping it's in me. But we'll see. And so I sat down in the office, started the test. She said, okay, I'll see you in an hour. I said, okay, study the, do the test. 20 minutes later, I go to her office and go, okay, I'm done. And she looks at me like, what? No, you're so, no, it's an hour. You're so, it's an hour. Go back, go back and check it. Go back and check all your answers. I'm like, I did already. She's like, there's no way you're done in 20 minutes. And I told her, well, I don't know what to say. I told her, I'm done though. And she said, no. And I told her, it's kind of too late. I already pressed enter, enter, send. I sent the test already. And she looked at me and I told her, Pastor Lynn, it's either in me or it's not. I told her, we're going to find out when the test score comes back, right? And so I was waiting. I was waiting for the, I was waiting for the test score to come back. I'm still here. I got the test score and I asked her, what did I get? And lo and behold, I got an A. <clears throat> I credit that to Jesus all the time. <laughs> but the truth is, we don't, we don't like tests, right? Like when you're in school, nobody likes tests. We still don't like tests. But the truth is, is when we get tested, that we're going to find out what we're made of. So when we, get, when we go through trials and challenges, that we're going to see what we really believe. You see, it's easy for us to believe and talk about a Jesus that's great and good when life is great and good. But when life is not, is he the same Jesus? See, the greatest witnesses for faith will be the ones that have the greatest testimonies of faith. Faith isn't built by going through the motions of life, but instead allowing ourselves to experience moments in life to live out our faith. You see, everybody wants the blessings, but few are willing to go through the battles. Everybody wants the promises, but many aren't willing to deal with the problems. Everybody wants the faith, but many allow their fears to dictate their life. And everybody wants to witness, but few are willing to let Jesus write their testimony. And I wanted to share this. You know, we've been singing that song, See a Victory, See a Victory, and I love that song. But can I tell you the honest truth? When I heard that song, God shared me one simple thing. He said, you will never see a victory unless you have battle. And I think a lot of times as we witness, we got to remember that. We want to be powerful witnesses. We have to understand that we're going to face battles. Battles aren't for us to run away from. Battles are for us to run to Jesus and let him build up our faith. 
Because when he does, it's going to be powerful. Now, I'm not telling you guys, when you leave here today, go outside and go, okay, Lord, bring all the test challenges, all these things to me. Don't do that. Why? Because that's stupid. Okay, I'm just saying. Just saying. But can I encourage you to do this? If you're already in a test or in a storm or a trial, whatever it may be, run to Jesus and let him build up your testimony. You see, if we want to be faithful witnesses, then we must be willing to faithfully go wherever Jesus leads us. Every day we are presented with opportunities to live our lives for Jesus. And as we experience those moments, we will experience the goodness, the kindness, and the love that Jesus has not just for us, but we'll be able to share with others. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 to 4, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. See, I like that. That when you and I face struggles, when you and I face hardships, God gives us his comfort. So that when others go through the exact same thing, we get to pass it on. Just this past week at our youth ministry, I got to talk to a young man and, and he was sharing with me what's going on in his life. He was sharing me that, uh, you know, there's relationship issues that he was facing. And, and when you're a teenager and there's relationship issues, it's like the end of the world. And so for him, he was kind of feeling that weight. And so I got to talk with him. And I got to share with him my stories of, of relationships. I got to talk to him about me and Katie and, and the struggles that we went through. And I just got to pray with him. And, and it was so funny because when you're going through the struggle, when you're going through the heartache and all that, it's not easy. It's painful. But it was so amazing. As, as I'm talking to this young man, I'm reminded of the comfort that God gave me through it all. What was so amazing is the next night, Katie and I are, are, are having date night and we're eating and as we go to the restaurant, who would be there but that one young man? And so he came up, he talked stories, he, he hugged me and Katie, and we're talking stories. And, and before he left, he looked back to me and he said, hey, thank you so much for last night. And I thought about it, I was like, man, Lord, you know, it wasn't easy when I went through that stuff with me and Katie. It wasn't, it, was not, it wasn't easy when I was going through that heartache and that heartbreak and that pain that is very real. But you know what's so great is that, Lord, even though that pain is real, and although pain is going to be real in our lives, we must be reminded, so is our God. And I got to pass that off to him. That the pain that you're feeling right now, let me tell you, brother, my God is real. And he's real for you too. See, that's the beauty of when we're faithful. That's, a, that's the beauty of when we're tested and we're tried. And the last thing is this. The last thing when it comes to being a witness for God is we got to be loving. We can have character and integrity. We can go through all the fires and flames. But if we're not loving, if we're not centered on Jesus and compassionate towards people, it's not worth anything. In fact, I remember uh, a couple years ago, we went to L.A. for a, a youth conference. And it was a big youth ministry conference. You don't know how big? Disneyland was sold out. Picture that. Disneyland was sold out because of this conference. And so I remember we came out of one of the, we came out of the conference one day, and as we came out, there was a guy standing there with a sign. And on the sign, there were some derogatory things about certain pastors, and it just so happened that there was pastors that I knew of, many people knew of. And so we went, and there was a big group, and this is young people now. This is like 
youth and young adults. And so there's a big group surrounding this guy holding on sign as he's saying, oh, your pastors are, are, are leading you astray and all that. And so all of us are there and we're kind of like yelling at this guy like, bro, take your sign down and, and do all this stuff. And, and so we're, we're, we're kind of, we're going at it. And then one woman came up and I just, I'll never forget it. She came up and she looks at everybody. And she's like, guys, just leave. Like, what? No, he's, he's saying all this bad stuff about the pastors and all this. And she's like, just leave him alone. Let him go. Like, no, no, no. And, and she goes, listen, we don't need to argue for Jesus or any of our pastors. But what we need to do is we need to love this guy. And if all we're going to do is stand here and argue with him, what are we really representing? And it was so amazing because as soon as she said that, like, it, it seemed like in the Bible where one by one we all left. Because we realized, what testimony are we giving this guy who's holding a sign? Like, what witness are we, are, are we giving this guy? Are we witnessing him God's love or are we witnessing that God argues? And I never, I never forget that because it stuck with me that we can do all the things of God, but if we don't do it with love, it's not of God. See, while being good and faithful is foundational to being witnesses of Jesus, if we're not being loving witnesses, we will not only miss the point, but we will also point people away from the one that we're trying to witness about. See, we can have eloquent speeches, amazing facts, and epic testimonies. But without God and without love, it's nothing. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 to 3, Paul says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. See, we as witnesses must be centered on Christ and compassionate towards people. Paul endured a lot of trials and tribulations. He endured persecution that you and I would never experience by being a witness for Jesus. But here's the thing. He always focused back to Jesus and his love for all his people. You see, if we miss out on loving God and loving people, what kind of witnesses are we? The Bible says it like this, and this is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, John 13, verses 34, 35. It says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In other words, this is Jesus speaking, telling his disciples, listen, the only way that you're going to actually be able to tell of me and show people who I am is by how you love. Not how you tell stories about me, not about your faith in me, but how you love people. And I think that's super important because I think, I believe in today's world, we lose sight of this important characteristic of witnessing to people about Jesus. Instead of loving people, sometimes we choose to focus on the bad that people are doing. And when that becomes the center, instead of Jesus, there's going to be, instead of compassion, there's going to be condemnation. And there's going to be judgment. See, I learned this with my two-year-old Adrian. Uh, she has a hard time going to sleep. It'll be 8 o'clock. I tell her, Adrian, okay, time to go sleep. No. 9 o'clock. Okay, baby girl, you got to go sleep. 
Get time to go to bed. No. 10 o'clock. Adrian, go to sleep. No. What? And so I remember this one night. I remember this one night. I'm trying to get her to sleep, and I'm yelling at her. Okay, like, I, you know, I, I, okay, before you guys think I'm a bad person or a bad parent, I was telling her, hey, Adrian, it's time to go to sleep. It's time to go to bed. She's like, no, I don't want to. Adrian, you got to go to bed. No, I don't want to. Adrian, go to bed. No, I don't want to. Adrian, go to bed. No. <laughs> and so I'm yelling at her, and there's one night, I'm just like, Adrian, go to bed. Go to bed. You need to go to bed. I need to go to sleep. Go to bed. And your sister's already sleeping. Go to bed. And she's like, no. And so she starts crying. And you would think, I'm going to stop. No. I told her, what are you crying for? <laughs> stop crying. Go to bed. And so I'm, I'm yelling at her. Yeah. My, it's like I'm going, my two-year-old daughter, go to sleep. Thinking that it's going to change anything. And then I realize, and, and God's like, grab her. So I'm like, okay, grab, grab her. I'm like, huh. I'm, like I'm going to squeeze you. And so I, I did. I kind of squeezed her a little bit. And then I just held her. And as I held her, I said, baby, you need to go to sleep. And then like a minute, I felt drool on my shoulder. <laughs> and I look at her, and she's out. So I put her down, and she went to sleep for the rest of the night. See, I can yell at my daughter all I like, go to bed. But it was in that moment that God said, or you can pick her up, carry her, comfort her, Love her and watch what I want to do. And in the same way it is when we witness. We can yell at people all we want about Jesus. But if we're not loving them, it's not what they're gonna, that's not what they're going to see. See, we got to love people because that's who God is. That's who Jesus is. You know, we can argue with people that have a different opinion that we have about Jesus. A lot of times, instead of loving people, we'll get into confrontations, and some people actually love that confrontation. And I'm okay with confrontation as long as there's love, as long as there's compassion. We can stand on street corners, and we can yell, and we can declare that people are not going to go to heaven because of this and that. We can condemn people on social media. But none of that will witness to people who Jesus is. Because Jesus is love, and if there's no love, there's no Jesus. So what if we instead, what if instead we witnessed and operated out of love? What if when there's somebody that believes something completely different than you believe, instead of just telling them how you feel or what you think, you give them the time to listen to them. And actually listen, not just get here and then you shut off. But you actually listen to them. You actually hear their opinions. You actually listen to what they're thinking and what they're saying. What if instead of putting up barriers, we built relationships? And what if we actually witnessed to people the Jesus that we encountered? The Jesus that could have easily said, you did this, 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 this. You don't deserve my love. but yet I give it to you. What if we were to witness him, the Jesus that showed us grace, mercy, forgiveness, and unconditional love? See, being a witness of Jesus means that it's no longer about me, but all about centering, my, centering myself on who Jesus is and being his compassion towards others. 
a couple weeks ago, we had our SALT conference, and we had our youth ministry breakout, and we were planning for our SALT youth night later on that evening. And so uh, we, for those who were part of our youth ministry breakout, we were planning the night, and we figured, oh, we got to figure out what's for dinner. So we actually left the church, went to KTA to go pick up stuff for dinner. And so as we're buying stuff for dinner, we're checking out. Uh, there's a man who I, I've known for a while. Some of us may know too. And uh, he has a disability. And so he's there, and he's actually asking people to walk with him to the mall. But because, because of his disability, he didn't want to get hit by any vehicles crossing the highway. And so he's asking people, hey, can you walk with me to the mall? And so he's actually asking the workers, he's asking the courtesy clerk at KTA, can you walk with me across the, to, the, to the mall? And of course the worker's going to say no because she's working. And then he's kind of talking with, with some of us, and, and so we're kind of we're, 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 so we're, we're talking, and I'm hearing him, and I'm, and I'm listening to what he's asking. And I'm like, Lord, I got SALT conference, we got all this stuff, we got all these things planned. I, we got to get back to the church. And so we're walking, out, we're walking outside of KTA, and, and I'm talking stories with him a little bit because, I, like I said, I've known him. And all of a sudden, the Lord is like, what, is, what do you think is more important, the conference or this person? I was like, okay, Lord. And so I looked at him and I said, I'll walk with you to the mall. Now, I could have easily said, hey, jump in the van. I'll drive you to the mall and, then I'll, and I'll be, it'll be easy. But the Lord said, it, it just, you got to walk with him. And I was like, I got to walk. Okay. And so we're walk, we walked from KTA to the mall. And I'm going to tell you right now, that was scary. That was scary. Oh, cars on the highway, whipping it, man. And I thought, I thought about it. I could have easily told him no. I could have easily just said, I didn't hear him speak. I didn't hear him ask. I'm fine. But it was like the Lord was saying, are you willing to love people even when it's uncomfortable? What's so funny, the whole way there, he's talking bad about our church. <laughs> not talking bad, but he's not, you know, he wasn't agreeing with a lot of stuff. And so anyway, but I'm, I, and, and, and here's what I realized is that I could have easily said, I'm going to pray for you, <laughs> that you make it across safely. I'm going I'm to believe that you're going to make it across safely. Because you know how bad I would have felt if I read in the newspaper that he got banged? You know the guilt I would have felt? had I known that he got hurt and I could have easily just went with him? See, it is far greater to do things in love first than second. Why? Because when we do it in love, we are guaranteed that Jesus is by our side. Why? Because he's love. 1 Corinthians 16, 14, another favorite verse that I love. It says, do everything in love. Do everything in love. When you witness, do it in love. Where you witness, do it in love. Whether it's here, whether it's at home, whether it's at school, whether it's at work, whether it's at your shopping at Target, witness in love. You see, when we witness with character and integrity, we give credibility to who Jesus is in our testimony. And when we witness by allowing our faith to be tried and tested, we will extend the hope of Jesus to others because it's our hope that we found in him as well. And when we do everything in love, we will witness Jesus to a world in need of Jesus. Now you might be sitting here today and you might be thinking, well, yeah, you're the pastor. It's easy for you to witness Jesus to people. But can I tell you this? Being a pastor isn't the point. 
Being a ministry leader isn't the point. Being a servant isn't a point. The title isn't the point. The point is you pointing people to Jesus. That's the important thing. Because the truth is, honestly, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. See, that's the truth. We're living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. And that's why it's going to take us to be witnesses of Jesus so that we can in turn be witnesses for Jesus. Amen? Would you put your Bibles away, your notes away? Can I just tell you right now, if you're sitting here and you're thinking, I don't even know how to witness Jesus. I don't, know, I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know if that's my job. Well, the truth is, if you're taking a breath, it's your job. It's your mission. It's your calling. You and I are witnesses. You may be here this, this morning and you may be going, well, I don't even know who Jesus is. I how, how, how do I even witness him? Well, the truth is, before we can be witnesses for Jesus, we got to witness him for ourselves. And so this morning, I want to give you that opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect like that, because trust me, we're going to be perfect when we see him face to face. But all the time from here to then, as he continues to build us up and as we continue to be witnesses for him, we'll show the world who Jesus is. Would you bow your heads as we pray? Lord, we come before you this morning, Lord, and Lord, we just thank you so much that, Lord, you, it's you, Lord, that we want to witness all about. And, Lord, we want to be good, faithful, and loving witnesses of you because, Lord, that's exactly who you are. You are good. You are faithful. And you are loving. And, Lord, there may be some of us here this morning that we've never received you. We, we've only heard the stories. But now is the time where we want to come to experience you for ourselves and be witnesses of who you are. And if that's you this morning, I'm going to ask that you repeat this prayer after me. And, and although you're going to repeat the words, you're saying with all that you got, and you're saying it to the Lord himself, Lord Jesus, I receive you this morning as my Lord and Savior. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose from the dead forever changing my life by your unconditional love. Help me to be a witness of you so that I can witness you to those around me. Thank you for loving me, for helping me, and for being with me forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Now you don't have to say this part of the prayer, but if that's you that said, I just said that prayer for the first time this morning that I wanted to receive Jesus and I did. With everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed, I'm gonna ask if that's you this morning, would you, would you let your first act of being a witness of Jesus in your life by raising your hand so I can pray a special prayer for you? Yeah, I see you in the back here. I see you here. I see you there. I see you there. Lord, you see the hands of most of all, you see the hearts and I pray that, Lord, for those who have received you for the first time this morning, Lord, that, Lord, you would take them by your hand, Lord, that you would show them the plans and the purpose that you have for them as they witness you for the rest of their lives. You can go ahead and put your hands down. And, Lord, for the rest of us, there may be many of us that, Lord, we believe in you, but, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't stop at just being a believer, but, Lord, help us to be a witness to who you are in our lives, to those around us, 
that Lord, the Jesus that's in us is what people would see. And so Lord, we love you, Lord. We thank you. Continue so that your will and your way be done in our lives. We look forward to what you're gonna do for the rest of our lives. And we look forward to what you're gonna do in the other people's lives as well. We love you and we pray for all of this in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen, amen. Can you, can you help me congratulate those who made that decision this morning?